Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. So let's get into the scriptures today. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. Say Genesis chapter 2. You didn't have to say that part, but that was cool. Genesis chapter 2. And I just, I want to go through something today that it might seem simple, but I've seen some things in the last several months that I would say they've concerned me somewhat, but I also believe that Holy Spirit will give us an answer to how we access this idea in our life. And I want to talk about this idea of relationships. Relationships make a difference. You know, we're all individuals. How many can say that? We're individuals, aren't we? And I think it's even more than that. We're not just individuals. I believe that we're created with a purpose in life. You know, you look around at some of the craziness that's going on, and and really it comes down to just there's not a sense of purpose. And what happens a lot of times is when we don't have a sense of purpose, we begin to latch on to other things. Oh, what's going on over here? Oh, what's that group saying? What's this group saying? And so then we begin to identify with the group rather than the purpose God has given us. Does that make sense? But many times I think it's really easy to forget that we can't always fulfill, most of the time, we can't fulfill the purpose that we have in life without others. It's, it's plain and simple. We need others. We're, we're creatures who are built to need others. And in fact, God says this in Genesis 2, verse 18. He says, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now stop. Because I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, this was about Adam and Eve. This was the creation story, the Hebrew poem that was written about creation and and Israel's idea of creation. Because every, you know, nation at that time, every culture had different ideas. And this was one of the most beautiful creation stories about about a God who, who created out of the sheer joy of it, the sheer love of creating and having this, not this, this information, but this relationship with, with mankind and with the planet. But he says here, and I know, again, Adam and Eve, but I believe we can apply this to us. It is not good for the man, or we could say mankind, to be alone. Look at this. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, I want us to do something I say to never do, and that's pull it out of context a little bit. But, but there's a reason here, because I believe that, that this creation story is showing us something about relationships when it comes to humanity. No, no matter what you believe in creation or how that is, what I'm saying is I do believe there's something, there's some truth here about how human beings work. And, and it's built on relationship. But look what he says. I will make a helper who is just right for him. I, I believe that this just right for him is so key here. There are definitely relationships in my own life that have helped me in the best way to live out my purpose. Where, as I've had other relationships, come on now, where it's actually deterred me from living out my full potential and purpose. Are you with me? Can you think back to some relationships you thought, wow, that wasn't the best relationship for me. It deterred me. It got me off track from my purpose or what I feel is important. Because I've said this before that a lot of times we talk about God's purpose for our life or we even talk about God's will for our life. 
my good friend and I were talking about this idea of, of the will, and I've, I've taught messages on this, but you ever heard the scenario where the will of God is what you want to be in, right? I get that. But then a lot of times we'll put up on the screen, we'll put a, a diagram or a graphic, and so it has this target, you know, and then you have, you have the bullseye. How many know the bullseye is the place you want to be? I mean, has anyone ever played darts? You want to hit the bullseye. And so the bullseye is a place to be, and so in that picture you have the bullseye, and then that's usually labeled God's perfect will. And then outside of that you have this other ring, and it's his permissive will. In other words, yeah, I'll let you do it, but I don't know. And then outside of that, I don't know, it's like the outer ring of hell or something. I don't know. It's, it's, you're so far of his will that, oh my gosh, be scared, be scared. But I usually use this analogy that, you know, when we would go out and take our kids out to eat, which doesn't happen a lot lately, but we would take our kids out to eat and, you know, they would be little. We'd say, okay, what do you want to eat? And they would get the children's menu. How many are familiar with the children's menu? And the children's menu had like two to four items on it, made it easy, you know, hot dog, chicken fingers, a hamburger, maybe pizza, if they were like a cool place to be. But you ever had your kids go, I I don't know what I should get. What should I get? Well, my response is, I don't know, just order something. Because it's all food, maybe not the best, but it's all food and it's going to nourish you somehow. And I believe that in life, a lot of times it's like that. We're, we're looking for God only has one person for me, only has one job for me, only has one car for me, only has one house for me. And we struggle with these things. But I think a lot of times that God, as a good parent, is going, well, all those choices look good. Pick one. But we get so caught up in, is it, oh, I made a wrong decision. And then, you know, you get a flat tire on the way to work. You're like, I got the wrong car. I knew it. And, and we just, we put so much on God sometimes that I really believe, I mean, think about this creation story. He created man, put him in a garden and said, okay, take dominion, subdue, run with it. And so sometimes we get caught up in this and we get in the fear. And so we're talking about this idea because it is important, the choices that we make when it comes to relationships. But again, that is our choice. But we have to see what's before us and what is the best choice to make. You know, in this season of Thanksgiving, because we just celebrated Thanksgiving, it gets us to think about thankfulness and things like that. But I would say that for me, I am most thankful for my relationships. I mean, my family, good friends. It's just, it's amazing to me. And how many have found that in this current state, it has caused you to even notice how important that is or how much more important that is? But, but there's something else about this. Because I've also noticed that when pressures of life come or bad circumstances rear their ugly head, when they present themselves in the lives of people, What they really think comes out, doesn't it? Wink, wink. I mean, we've seen it. We've heard it. We've experienced it. You're like, whoa, did you hear what came out of their mouth? Whoa, did you see what that person did or how they reacted? See, pressure has this way of squeezing us. And I used to say this, who we really are comes out. But I want to change that because who we really are is we're creatures, we're human beings that are created in the image and likeness of God, but sometimes we've forgotten our identity, and because of that, we oper- operate outside of our identity. So here's what happens when the pressure comes on. What comes out is what we really believe about ourselves, about God, 
about others. It's just true. Pressure has this way of making you show your cards. You can't bluff. This is what you believe about yourself or others or even God. Let me ask this. Have you ever been surprised? Let me say this. Have you been surprised in the last, say, six months in some of your friends, how they've acted, what they've said, how they've responded, those jaw-dropping moments of, wow, where'd that come from? It doesn't mean that they're inherently bad. It just means they have some bad beliefs. They have some bad ideas. And usually, because this is what religion and empire do, is they give us these philosophies and theologies of us and them. The separation, there's a wall between us, and we can't even see the commonality that we have together. We can't even sit down at a table and at the end of a discussion agree to disagree. I know I've been saying this a lot lately, but I want, it, I want this to get through to us because I look at, at Jesus. I profess to be a follower of Jesus, and I see Jesus sitting with any and everybody Not calling out the sin in them, but calling out the son in them. Pointing them back to what I just talked about, their, their real life true identity. And then once you see that, you begin to operate out of the truth of who you are. Are you following me so far this morning? But listen, I think we've all been amazed at what some friends or family members have said during these lockdowns and this quarantine and the stuff we've been going through. And it's important to choose wisely when it comes to relationships. Who we surround ourselves with, who we trust with our struggles, who we tell our dreams and our goals to, it's so, so very important. Now I do want to say this, I don't want to confuse this with what I just said earlier, this us and them mentality. All right? This is who you choose to be, say, a confidant or those who you trust with your heart, that you truly are sharing those things kind of in that inner circle of friendship and relationship. And let me just say this, that everyone, let me say it again, everyone, say it with me, everyone should be welcome into your circle as a friend. But we certainly have to make wise choices as to who has that real life influence on us who we allow into that inner circle and really influencing our heart and making those decisions in life. But I love this in Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 22. The writer says this, so let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Now listen to this next part. This is powerful. He says, let's see how inventive we can be. You catching this? Let's see how inventive we can be in what? In encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Now, I just love this term, and I think I've, I've discussed this at least a couple different times, but I love how Eugene Peterson you know, breaks this down here in the message translation. He's saying, be inventive in encouraging love and helping out. 
Like literally, are you looking for opportunities? Man, what can I do today to show love to someone? What can I do today? And, and let me just preface it with this. Not just the people you like <laughs> or the people you love. This is one of the hardest things, man. When I mean, how many have read the Sermon on the Mount? Come on, we've heard messages on that. But I remember years ago when I, the first time I actually read it, you ever just read stuff and you kind of glaze through it, glaze over it, but then sometimes you read it, it just jumps off the page. And Jesus said to love your enemies. And I'm like, wait a minute. He just said love your enemies. That, those are the people I don't like. Those are the others. Those are the people on the other side. And he goes on to say, and pray for those who persecute you. Usually that's the last person I want to pray for. When someone I like comes up and says, hey, will you pray for me? Yeah, bro, let's pray right now. Let's do it. I love you, man. But then someone asks you to pray for someone in office or pray for the boss you don't like or pray for that parent or that ex or that you're like, there's no way in heaven I'm doing that, right? These are some of the hardest things I believe to follow, but I believe it's doable. But look at this. He says, be inventive and encouraging love and helping out. Now think about this. If you think about just the, the way the church looks, looks right now worldwide, would you say that this is how we look? A people who are inventive, right? In encouraging love and helping out? <laughs> I would say probably not all the time. And that's not a knock on us. It's just saying we've got some growth. We've got some work to do, right? Me included in that group. But... Let me say this, I think it should be the way that we reflect the heart of Father. Can I get one amen on that? I mean, it should be the way that we are in this world. And I like here, he says, not avoiding worship together. You know, a lot of times we use this scripture to get people to sit in these seats and come to church and be here. And I I think that's part of it. I mean, how can you have a relationship if you're not with somebody? It's, It's impossible. And that's important. But think about this. Not avoiding worship together can simply be said like this, not avoiding others. Because assembling together isn't just in the four walls of a church with a cross on the front. Assembling together is John and I getting coffee, or John and I getting coffee, the two Johns and I getting coffee. It's hanging out together, it's being together, it's assembling together, it's talking about life, and and, and sure, theology and God and what we're going through and all these different things, but he's saying, don't avoid this. Why? Because when you do, you're avoiding others. How can you have a relationship with someone? How can you be inventive in ways to encourage love or show love and help others out unless you are together having relationship? In other words, don't be a loner. You, you can't do life on your own. And I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with what? The body of Christ. How many have heard this term? We're the body of Christ. The church, we all have our parts, our places to be. But look at verse 14. He says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And he goes through this whole scenario. But I want us to jump down to verse 24. He says, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Now, I do like that Paul wrote it this way. Because a lot of times it seems like in the church, we celebrate those who are supposedly in the limelight as the most important. 
And I think what Paul is doing is he's trying to, he's trying to train us and teach us a lesson here that we have to start, stop putting people on pedestals and at different levels because we're all equals. That's really what the kingdom is all about. It's we're all equals. We're on the same page. There's, there's no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, right? He's trying to just eradicate these lines that we put, these labels, I like that, that we put on people. He says, this makes for harmony among the members. And I was thinking about, I don't know, it was last week or the week before, as I was preaching, I got this idea about harmony. Now, of course, I'm a musician and I try to sing, but I'm a musician, so I I get notes and things like that. But when you think about a song, we're all singing the same song, but when you do harmony, you're singing different notes. But the notes together join together and they just make this beautiful melody, right? And so when I see harmony, this is just beautiful to me, is Paul isn't saying, Jesus isn't saying, the Father isn't saying that you all need to be cookie cutter just like one another. He's saying you all have purpose and calling and personalities, so be that person, but let's get on the same page and at least sing the same song. And as we sing the same song, you do it with your pitch and your note, and together it's this beautiful harmony of the kingdom. And I'm telling you, when, when it's done correctly, which we're all striving for that, when it's done correctly, I think it's beautiful to this world. They will see something that they've probably never seen when it comes to the church, or at least not that often. It's harmony. It's unity in faith. It's it's being on the same page, singing the song, same song, loving and showing grace to those around us. But look at this. He says, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Verse 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, look at this, all the parts are glad. That's what I had to work on for a while. Well, why they get that? I've been working hard too. It's been a long time, like two or three weeks. But, but you know, these are, not, these are not the easiest ways to live, but I do believe we can because, I mean, Christ, the anointed one, is living in and through us. So what does this have to do with relationships? I mean, you know, sometimes it could sound like a call to come to church message. You know, we got to make sure we're assembling ourselves together. And sure, This applies to our meeting together, but listen, it also shows us how important it is to not be alone. And in this case, that we choose our relationships or our friendships wisely. How many of you can't choose your family? I'd like to say that even for the church, let's be honest, you can't even choose your family here, can you? It is what it is. And I get that we're not all going to be best buddies. That's not what the message is about, but... We have to always be open to let all people into the circle of friendship. There's some people who literally, and I know, he who shows himself friendly has friends. I get that. But some of you, you're just better at showing yourself friendly than others. Let's not leave people on the outside just looking in. Let's do our best to bring them in. But it's really important in this choosing who we surround ourselves with. It really matters, and it's important to have others because we can't do this alone. Think about this. Every decision we make affects others for good or for bad. I love this example of relationship. 
I was reading one time this article, and it was talking about bees. And, you know, how many knows that bees pollinate? And, and bees, you know that they're responsible for up to a quarter of the world's food supply? Just, yeah, you didn't know that? Sorry, buddy, I should have shared that with you, but they're responsible for up to a quarter of the, the world's food supply. And scientists say this, that without them, the world would last approximately four years, and that's it. So think about that relationship just with bees. I know someone's like, they got their EpiPen out right now because bees are not their thing. But if bees weren't here, if bees weren't around four years, that's pretty crazy. So to me, this shows this relationship that the world, the planet, and we have with bees. Thank God for bees. Can I get an amen? You're like, I don't know. But here's the thing. The right relationships are key to our success. Relationships are important. They're a really important part of our lives, which is why understanding, I believe, how specific relationships affect our lives is essential. So I want to just take a few minutes and to be honest with you, I was hoping with may, we could have maybe a little class participation. So maybe we will, maybe we won't. Um, but either way, what I want to do is I want to read a few scriptures. And I want us to think about the current relationships that we're in. Especially with the last several months. Think about the relationships that you're in. How are these relationships affecting you? Is it hindering you? Or is it helping you to be the best version of yourselves? Simple question, right? Maybe a hard thing to think about. But does that make sense? So I just want to read these scriptures. And, and I want us to think about this. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. He says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. How many have heard this verse? How many have experienced this in life? Now, the thing that I don't want to do, and I want to remind us of, is we're not saying this is about us and them. It's not shutting people out from your life completely. But I'm talking about those people who influence you in your life to make the decisions you make, to even think the way you think, to do what you do or be how you be. Think about that. Are your current relationships hindering or helping you to be the best version of yourself? That's, that's the, if you don't remember anything else today, I want you to ask yourself this question every day this week. My current relationship or relationships that I'm in, is it hindering or helping me to be the best version of myself? Look at this in Proverbs 20, verse 6. I love the Proverbs as far as it comes to relationship. It's pretty cool. Look at this. Many will say they're loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Have you experienced this in life? Let me just clue you into this right now. I don't care if you have 467 friends on Facebook. Most of them aren't your friends. Some maybe. Most of them aren't. That's not a put down. It's just the truth. Right? It's like a game. How many people? Oh, I got 500. Oh, I got 700. It's like, ooh, people like me. Have you ever gotten to that game? You put a picture up. You're like, how many likes do I have now? Oh, oh it just went up. Oh, someone clicked it. And you turn those notifications on because you got to see who really likes you or who doesn't. Good thing there's not a dislike button because, man, then we'd be in a world of stuff, wouldn't we? But think about this. Many will say they're loyal friends, 
but who can find one who is truly reliable? Think about this. Thousands of years ago, somebody penned these words because they're experiencing something that still happens today. People who say, oh yeah, we bros, we girlfriends, we're good. But then when push comes to shove, when it comes down to needing someone who's truly reliable, where'd they go? And again, I want us to understand we're not just shutting everyone out of our lives. We're rethinking who is in that inner circle of our life because it's so important. And maybe, I really, I'm trying to say this tactfully because I don't want you to go, they're evil and bad and they can't be in my life. That's not what I'm saying. But is that relationship good for you right here and right now? Sometimes we need to say, nope, I'm not going to share my dreams and my goals in my entire life with you. Maybe not to their face, okay? But just thinking this through because it's not helping you. And maybe that relationship is deterring you or literally dragging you in a completely different direction than you know that you should go. Is this making sense? But again, when it comes to this thing about being truly reliable, we could say, it's an old adage, the truth is in the pudding, right? Or the proof is in the pudding. The proof of their friendship is right here because they're reliable in every and through everything. Look at this in Proverbs 27. This one's good. He says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Whoa, say whoa. Whoa. Now, I don't see this as an open rebuke like I'm going to rebuke someone from the stage at church to really show you who's boss. No, no, no. Open rebuke is, if you ever had a friend and you saw something in their life and you thought, man, I love them, so I'm just going to just keep quiet about it. But then later it even drags them into greater despair or trouble. And, and if you would have just had that voice to speak, that open rebuke to say, hey, listen, bro, I see this in your life and this is not going to end well. You're going to end up in a divorce. You're going to end up with issues in life, right? So it's saying an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Look at this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I mean, think about, I mean, first of all, just beautiful words, beautiful writing. Wounds from a sincere friend. Now, this isn't like I'm going to stab you to get your attention. But how many know this, that sometimes love hurts? You ever had a friend, a true, sincere friend, like Proverbs is saying, call you out on something? And you're like, thank you so much. That's great to be called out in life. Of course not. You're like, man, shut up. <laughs> Click, right? There's situations where things are just called out and it can cause a wound. It can hurt because for a lot of us, it it brings shame. It brings condemnation. We feel less than. But here's the thing. When when you know that this is a sincere friend, I love how it says that, you know their heart for you. And it's just like Heavenly Father. Because you might say, "I I don't have any friends. Well, you have, you know the song, you have a friend in Jesus, right? But it's true. You have a friend in God. Now, I believe we need human relationships, but even in this relationship with God, I I say this quite often, but, you know, John, the Apostle John describes God as both love and light. And I love that he describes him as light. Because light does what? When you turn it on in a dark room, it exposes everything in that room. So how many in their life have been going along and you feel like Holy Spirit has just exposed something in your soul that's not good for you? 
a lie that you believe about God, others, or yourself. And you see that in the immediate response from human beings is instant shame and condemnation. It's like the creation story. What did Adam and Eve do when they messed up? They ran and hid. But the beauty of that story is that God pursued them. He even sacrificed an animal and he took, he took that, that skin of the animal and he clothed them. Why? To cover the shame. To say, listen, I'm still okay with you. Don't be ashamed of yourself. That's something you should never say to your children. You should be ashamed of yourself. Why would you introduce shame into their life? Man, it's, that, that can really hurt. That can cut deep. Now, recognizing that there's, there's a way that we're going that's not right, I've talked about this often too, is discipline is not punishment for your past. It should be training you for your future. And so Holy Spirit might shine the light. You're like, ooh, okay. I mean, and then it feels like a wound. You're like, this is something that's not good for me. But then what does Holy Spirit do? It's like he steps right in and says, let's work on that. Let's restore that. Let's heal you. Let's feed you some truth where you're believing a lie. And so his goal is to restore. His goal is to make you better than before, to help you move on through that and believe the truth. You follow me? And so it's the same thing with wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy because an enemy is just kissing you to get close so they can take advantage of you. A friend is saying what they need to say and they're being open and honest and blunt. But listen, they know your heart, you know theirs, and they're trying to say, I'm calling this out so it doesn't hurt you in the future. Those are true friends. Now again, when we read these scriptures, we need to ask ourselves, who are the friends who have been there? Who are the friends who are making the most impact in my life when it comes to my character? When it comes to you know, me living out my full potential in my purpose in life. Look at this, Proverbs 27, 9. It says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. So yesterday we did something that we've never done before. In 20 years of being together, we've never gotten a live Christmas tree. And so I finally, I mean, finally decided to do it. And so we went out to the farm and we took the kids and it was, it was a blast. I mean, it, you know, the best thing about it was tripping over the stumps from previously cut trees and then messing up your knee. My knee feels great today. But other than that, it was amazing. No, it was so cool. It's like, I didn't know there were, do you guys know how many different species of Christmas tree there are? What did we end up getting? A Canaan. Hallelujah. Canaan, it's in the Bible. No, we got a Canaan fir, right? Man, we brought that thing in and we set it up and I was, we were smart enough to get a tree stand that like literally was like a few clicks like this and done. It was awesome. Didn't have to fight with it. But the smell, the fragrance of this tree, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm liking this. I think I'm liking this. Now we'll see if it can last through Christmas and we keep liking it. And so it's one of those things, we said, let's try it out. But there's something about that fragrance of pine that represents Christmas. How many here, um, you diffuse essential oils? Isn't it so cool? Kristen's like, like a little, I was going to say a witch, but that doesn't sound good. A wizard. Give me a Christian term. A prophet. Anyway, she's mixing up these little, these little concoctions of oils and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, that is what you do there? She's like, well, I had a little this and this and that. And I'm like, okay, that's too much information, but it smells really good. And it's just awesome to have that fragrance in the air, isn't it? 
It says the heartfelt counsel. See, this is what we're talking about when friends call us out. It's heartfelt, heart, heartfelt counsel. It's not I'm trying to look down my nose at you and point my finger at you and you know try to be better than you. It's heartfelt counsel because of care. It says this kind of counsel from a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Isn't that beautiful? And then, of course, this here, Proverbs 27, 17, really famous scripture. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. But isn't that true? When you hang with someone who really knows you and you can trust each other with one another's heart and, and you can share things. I've got friends like that even here today that... I can just be open and honest, and, and they've helped me through things. But sometimes we might, even, we might even clash on some ideas. And I used to be afraid of that. I, I, I used to be uncomfortable with that. If you didn't believe what I believed, or if you didn't seem to, to have the same theology or ideas or, or life goals than me, it just it, it made me feel uncomfortable and what I've learned is that sometimes within those uncomfortable moments, it begins to sharpen you. You become more sharp. I even like the idea like a sharp mind. And you begin to be open to changing your paradigm, to shifting the way you think on things. And I think this is a very scriptural thing, but it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And when I was reading this again as I was going over this this morning, I was thinking of this when I hear this idea of sharpens or sharpening, I was thinking of an, an arrow, a sharp arrow. When you shoot an arrow, it has a destiny, right? It has a purpose. It could be just that hay bale with the target on it, right? For some, maybe hunters, it could be that, that buck. But, but you have, you have this, this arrow, and it's sharpened on the end, and it has this, this destiny. It has this purpose. How many took archery in camp? I think it did like once. Yeah. I did. We'll talk about it later, son. It was awesome. But I did archery in camp, you know, like this. And I'm like, oh, it hurt. But, but, you know, shooting those arrows, it was so cool when you got a good shot. And they actually at least hit the hay bale. Even if it didn't hit the target, it was pretty cool. But I've seen this idea of sharpen. And, and a lot of times, it's not just this destiny or purpose. We can even say it, we're shooting for the bullseye. There's a bullseye to hit. And there's certain people in our lives, I believe, that will sharpen us and even define us in such a way that it literally determines where we land in life, where we end up in life. So this friendship thing, this relationship thing is so important because I've been in relationships that reset my trajectory that's a hard word to say my trajectory in a certain way and I ended up somewhere where I was like how did I get here why am I here this is not a good place for me do you see how important this friendship thing is how important this relationship thing is and so again there's a lot of things I don't like about the last several months but I will say that I've grown and I've learned some things and I've seen some things, and I've heard some things. And it's just taken me on this journey where on the other side of this, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, I believe. On the other side of this, I think I will be a better version of myself because of it. Not that I wanted it, but what's cool is that God is always there stepping in saying, listen, 
I will turn this into something good. Why? Because he's a father who loves us. But again, we need to think this through. If we were to evaluate our relationships today, just think about this. This is a hard question, but I want, to, I want you to ask yourself this question. If you were to evaluate your relationships today, is there any that need to be reprioritized? Is there, and again, I understand my heart. We're not trying to cut people out. Now, I will say this. There are some people that are so toxic in your life, you have to just say, I can't do this. And I don't think that's us and them mentality. I think it's taking care of yourself. Self-care is not wrong. I know people can think, well, that, you know, self-care is not wrong. If, if you aren't straight, if you aren't, don't have some sense of, of who you are, how can you help others anyway? So there are some people who are so toxic in your life. I'm not saying you go tomorrow to work and say, you know what, the pastor was preaching yesterday. By the way, here's his name and address and phone number. And he was telling me that you're toxic. And I'm like, no, no, no. We don't have to go to people and tell them. There's ways to handle this. And so there might be a certain way that you have to maybe avoid relationship. Maybe it's if it's someone you're with where you might just have to say, listen, this isn't working for me right now. I need my space. That's okay. Because there's plenty of other human beings who can be in their space. Does that make sense? But for the most part, we always welcome people into our circle of friendship. But I'm talking about that close, intimate, that, that confidant, that person who speaks into our life, that person who literally is iron, sharpening iron, who's helping you, you know, navigate life and shooting you towards a certain you know, target. Where do you want to be in your life? We have to really think this thing through and be serious about it. Amen? Because again, we do everything we can do to include everyone in relationship. But we have to think about those close friends. And again, it's not an easy thing to do, but sometimes it's really, really necessary. So which people, think about this, just close your eyes for a minute as we bring this to a close. Which people in your life really mean something to you? Have you thought lately about how the closest people to you, those ones who are closest to you, the, the ones whom you spend the most time with, influence you? Well, how did they influence you in your life? And is that a good influence on you? Has it helped you to become a better version of yourself? Has it helped you to make good decisions for where you know you're supposed to be or at least where you're supposed to be going? Whether we know it, like it, or, or we want to admit it, friends just have this influence over us, especially if they're close. The people that we're with the most, they have a huge impact on the way that we live. And it's really because God designed us that way. Now, remember in Genesis 2.18, we're not supposed to be on this journey alone. God himself said it's not good that man, and we could even say, take that liberty to say that mankind should not be alone. But I do believe that we don't just choose anyone when it comes to those who sharpen us, who help define us, who help who helped navigate us through this life. So again, who do we choose 
to be those type of people, to be those individuals in our life. You can look up here. And I want to say this too. It's, it's not about being better than someone else. It's about making better choices in relationships for yourself. And I, I believe you know my heart in this, but we are never to act as if we're better than someone else. That's not what we're preaching here today or teaching or talking about today. But maybe you're in a situation where you just keep going down roads that they're dead ends, they're not good for you, and you're gonna have to make some serious decisions on friendships. And maybe through the pressure of what we've gone through as a nation, as a world, has allowed you to see into the lives of others who, listen, we all have brokenness, I get that. We all have things, but, but maybe we need to determine I need to scale back on some friendships. I need to put some other people in the inner circle because I really need people who are going to take me where I believe I should go to be the best version of myself. Does that make sense? I want to close out with this final scripture in Proverbs 17, 17. It's, it's really kind of a litmus test of a true friend. The writer says this, friends love through all kinds of weather. I'm going to know we've gone through some difficult weather lately. And I'm not talking about the snowstorm coming. He says, and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. What I found is true friends are those people, no matter what's going on around me, no matter what trouble I'm going through, they're there no matter what. In fact, they're the first ones there saying, how can I help? And let's just take it a step further. Maybe for you, you're like, I'm pretty good on the friendship tip. Like, it's good. I think I've got the right people. But maybe we can ask ourselves, am I being that kind of friend? Am I being that true friend, that sincere friend who's reliable? That friend who's being inventive in all types of ways to encourage me in love and to help me out? Say this with me. I am thankful for good friends and family relationships, those who have my best interest in mind. You receive that this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for just your goodness and your grace. You're such a good Father. You're such a good God. I pray this morning that nothing I said to anyone who's hearing this now or later is being misunderstood. I pray that through everything that we always keep, like you, Jesus, keep our arms open to relationship, to including everyone. But I believe that it's okay at times especially if we see we're going a direction that's not what we're called to. It's not fulfilling our purpose. It's not even self-fulfilling. It doesn't even fulfill us. That you would give us that strength, that tenacity to say, I need to make better decisions on my relationships, on those who I surround myself with, especially those who I share the nearest and dearest things from my heart about myself too. I need to be careful on that. 
And I pray that for those who feel like I have no friends, that you're already just directing people. You're uh, that divine appointment thing we've talked about for years in the church. You're just setting things up so that people can come into contact with one another and really have a true friend who's reliable and who cares. Because we all need that. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Say this. If there's anything in my soul that's hindering me, if there's any relationship in my life that's hindering me from being who I'm supposed to truly be, show that to me. And Holy Spirit, help me and direct me. Give me the words to say. Give me the proper actions to do, to reprioritize, to change those things in my life. Because I want to be everything you've called me to be. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.